In this end of year wrap up episode, we compiled clips that break down and expand upon the topics of health equity and taking care of the whole patient and the whole system. This episode features leaders from CVS, Aetna, Optum, and more. Could you help us understand, first of all, what do we mean by health equity and then kind of your experience in um, advancing health equity? Yeah, so throughout my career, I've had the good fortune as a primary care physician, as you mentioned, as a um, community-based uh, leader, and then at, at, a, at a federal level in, as a public servant working at um, two federal agencies, NIH and HRSA, and then most recently at IBM at a global level in t- health tech, um, and then now at CVS Health. I've had the, the real good fortune to be thinking about issues of health and healthcare, and then the importance of health equity. Uh, put simply, health equity is about a population that really um, is in need, that isn't getting the care um, or the outcomes that, that, that we would expect um, with a health system like the US, its ability to deliver and how much we spend on it. And so whether you're defined by uh, racial or ethnic minorities, whether you're defined by um, being in a rural community, whether you're defined by um, gender identity or sexual orientation or people with disabilities or veterans, we know one in three to one in four Americans suffer from health disparities. And our efforts in health equity are to bring the health of that population to the level we know we can achieve because other populations are achieving it. So very proud about the opportunities that we've had to, I've had to address this. And of course, now in this pandemic, it's really extraordinary to see the role that CVS Health is playing in addressing topics like vaccine equity yeah. uh, and so many other areas. And um, our mission is to bring health or our heart to every moment of your health. And I believe we bring equity to every moment of our health or your health. And that's our commitment. Your zip code is a more powerful predictor. That's of- correct than your genetic code. That's correct. I remember uh, a study which looked at, I believe it was in Louisville, but I think you could take many cities and you look at zip codes and life expectancy. And even along a subway line, you'd see um, a disparity there. What is it about the community where you live that really impacts your health? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with economic attainment and educational attainment, right? Um, I know that in Washington, D.C., for example, there are two zip codes. I don't remember which two there are, but there is a decade difference in life expectancy for white men and black men. I mean, think about that. Ten years. Amazing. Here here in the United States. But, But, you know, the zip code determines whether or not there are parks, places to walk and exercise, access to to grocery stores with fresh vegetables versus quick pick stores where you get high high caloric foods but are not very nutritious. So there are a lot of these things that I refer to the social determinants of health that are illustrated quite dramatically by zip codes. And so I think Dr. Williams is is really correct that in a lot of ways, these social determinants that I've referred to Mm -hmm. can be illustrated (laughs) quite easily by picking zip codes and looking at what's available to the persons who live there, the housing, the kind of jobs they do, whether or not there are parks and sidewalks for walking and exercising. 
So it's, it's a point that we need to be focused on as we try to eliminate these disparities. It's, it's a major factor. From your perspective, what, what does age in place and age in community mean and, and what should we be thinking about? So, you know, sometimes we try to adjust the language a little bit and, you know, we used to say aging in place and sometimes yeah. we do because people understand generally that that means staying in your home, staying in your neighborhood, your community. But, you know, we don't want it to sound static, right? We don't yeah. want it to seem like we're just aging in place, like we're marching <laughs> right. and not getting anywhere. Yeah. And so sometimes we say thriving in community or, um, you know, the, the well-being of older people, where they yeah. are, you know, meeting them where they are. So what it really is trying to say to us is, you know, let's listen really carefully to what people are telling us. And there's organizations like the Frameworks Institute and a, a bunch of other ones that are really mm -hmm. looking at language. But when we say aging in a community, mm -hmm. it's what you, what you suggested, you know, something like 90% of people will want to stay where they know the pharmacist, they know the person at yeah. the post office, they know the hairdresser, they know the faith-based leader. So um, for all of those things, that's what we imagine people, especially like myself and many people on this call who are in policy roles or people who are leaders of Medicare Advantage plans or other health plans, right? All of us need to think together and collaborate around, well, what would that look like? You know, what would it really look like if we supported people to stay in their communities, you know, throughout their entire life? And there are examples from around the, the globe where people do this. Uh, some of us believe maybe better than we do in the U.S., Scandinavia, yeah. Uh, the Netherlands, other places, um, so we can learn from one another about that. But I, I think your point's well taken. Like, what would it look like? We can't close institutions like nursing homes and say, well, let's just have people go back to the community. Okay, if we want to do that, what do we need to put in the community to provide that network of support? What do you think, like, moving forward, where where's going to be the innovation um, for kind of care and, and all the things that we're talking about with senior care, like what kind of innovation do you think is on the horizon? Well, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, um, we have to, con we, the future is we've got to connect all the care. So right yeah. now we have all of these, these different fragmented, I could say islands, and how do we, how do we connect them with bridges to ensure yeah. that a member's experience is seamless because we're still not there. And I know Jay, you and I work every single day on this. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. how do we coordinate care? How are we focused on care transitions? That is really key. Mm -hmm. um, I would say senior care or care at home is key. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, you know, some of the things that we talked about with, with COVID and that people being more open to, to virtual care um, and, and telemedicine. And I also think, you know, what I'm also seeing is, um, and I know you talked to, to Patrick about, um, you know, hospital at home and, mm -hmm. um, there's just so much, so much on the horizon. I would say the other thing that, that you and I have been working on too, is remote patient monitoring. That's right. Um, and you know, so we've been, we have a program where we manage, um, full population risk on our dual special needs plan members, um, and we actually have them on remote patient monitoring, a certain subset of them uh, for diabetes management, blood pressure management, uh, heart failure, 
where, you know, we have a, a nurse team that gets those alerts when a patient's weight may be going up a pound or their blood pressure may be going up so that yeah. we can engage in that care more timely versus waiting for them to get to the emergency room. So I think we're going to continue to see all of those things evolve. Um, and, I, and I also think we're going to have more of a way to communicate um, uh, via, um, you know, via texting and applications. Like you think, you know, you think about Amazon when you're, when you're ordering something, you don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> when you want to return something, you just print the label. I mean, and I, I think, you know, our, I think about my kids and I think about, you know, the next generation and, and what they want and what, what they're, they're going to demand from us. And we do have to be more consumer centric. This has been a great year for compelling conversation and insight with so many healthcare experts. Thanks for tuning in to Soap Notes.